When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. I'm Jess. It's Friday in summer. It's a summer Friday. It's summer state of mind. <laughs> I uh, Listen, Jen, I am ready for a little bit of a break. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A little bit of a time off. Should we tell them? We got to tell them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's the scoop. Jen and I are taking about four weeks off. It's actually only like three. Okay, okay, three weeks off. Three weeks goes really fast. But we're not leaving you hanging. I don't like when people stop doing a podcast or like piece without any information. I hate that. I will not name the podcast that did did that to me. (laughs) But but I did not really – I did not appreciate that. No, then you get nervous. Then you start searching all over the internet what happened to them. I think it's people who don't realize how much work goes into a podcast and they just get tired. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can sidebar about that. I don't know. Okay. So long story short, we're taking some time off. We need to rest, rejuvenate, recuperate, touch base on a few things for Fat Mascara. But yes, Jen, we have some business to talk about. (laughs) We are going to have some good interviews for you. Some nice, juicy interviews that Jen and I have hand-picked for you. And what Jen and I did, we spent a lot of time the other day recording some new intros for those. So I don't want you to skip over those and think like, oh, I heard that one. Uh, like, you know, No, they're going to find out also what I'm doing during my resting rejuvenation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, Jen is doing cool stuff. So, yeah, uh-huh. so Jen and I actually, we probably can't talk about that much stuff for like fat mascara because you're going to be so busy. <laughs> so here's the scoop. You're going to be listening to these, but the new intro is going to recontextualize each episode because some of them are like three plus years old. So dive back in. And we revisit the trends that are mentioned revisit in it. Revisit the and, trends. And catch up on summer stuff too. It's still, yeah, we didn't just throw things up like wildly. We just like, we no, like. We also have, I think we're going to have one or two new episodes thrown in the mix too. It's just not the normal cadence that everybody is used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll be back September. Normal cadence with some amazing, exciting stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah. So that's the news. You're updated. And now we can actually get into our episode today with Dr. Jason Diamond, mm-hmm. which I sort of alluded to on Wednesday, if you listen to that episode, I raised a wand to his medicine product, which we will talk about. But let me tell you who he is. 
This is the LA face episode. Honestly, we have this episode called the New York face. I kid you not, every time I look, it has like a hundred more listens. It's an old episode, but it is one of our most popular episodes. And Jess and I got to talking and we were like, we need to do the New York face. I mean, the LA face. We need to do the LA face. What is the LA face? What's trending as far as aesthetic medicine in Los Angeles? And of course, the guy we thought of was Jason Diamond. He's a facial plastic surgeon based in LA, board certified by the American Board of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Say that three times fast. (laughs) The American Board of Otolaryngology. And he's a fellow at the American College of Surgeons. I forgot about this till he brought it up. He was also on a TV show called Dr. 90210. Since built up his practice. I forgot practice. about that. And then when he said I that, know. I was like, oh my God. I, I know. Totally forgot. I know. Because I think of him as the celebrity plastic surgeon. Because the interesting thing about him is a lot of his patients are very open about going to see him for non-invasive and sometimes invasive procedures. He's treated Chrissy Teigen, Kim Kardashian, Olivia Culpo, Hilary Duff, Kate Upton, among others. He's here to talk about trends in plastic surgery as it pertains to pop culture at large and the LA market at large. We'll get into that. Social media, how that affects his practice. And we really get into the procedures he does not recommend and then also the ones he does. That was good. Yeah, it was interesting. So I'll stop talking and let Dr. Jason Diamond take it away. Dr. Diamond, hi. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. I wanted to talk to you about so many things, including, like, you're going to be our LA expert here. We want to talk all about everything that goes on in Los Angeles, the trends in plastic surgery, all of that. But before we get into it, I need to know about your practice and you. Like, where is it? Who are your patients for people who might not know you? My main office is here in Beverly Hills. I've been doing this for a long time, and my patient population is sort of, it's just sort of organically grown with me. So who are my patients? My pa- you know, one thing I learned early on, I was taught that actually one of the most important things I learned early on is something people always ask me for advice on how to build a practice. One of the most important things I learned was one of my initial people I worked for. He told me, and I started working for this guy and I didn't really like how it was going because I didn't really feel like I fit in that well with the practice. I was just starting. I was kind of going in with this guy who'd been in practice forever. And I talked to him. I said, you know, this isn't sort of what I envisioned. And he said, Jason, he said, you got to be patient. He said, your practice will look like you eventually. Hmm. That's how you become successful. You have to make your practice look like you. What was like the vibe at his practice that you felt like you didn't fit in? I'd rather not say. Mm. I'd rather not say. But basically, I took that to heart and basically was just what that gave me was license to be myself. It gave me the reassurance and the license just be myself and do things the way that I want to do them and that make me comfortable. And eventually, my practice started to look like me. And that's the best that I can say. And what does that mean? That means it's people I can talk to, people I can not necessarily have to relate to, but like kind of have similar visions and what our goals are and people I can go into the room and like talking to. It doesn't mean we're the same. It doesn't mean they, I like the same things and I look the same, but it just means, it just means people who I can comfortably relate to. And that's basically who my patients are. And that's everyone from local LA people to people from that travel to see me, but still it's people that we have comfortable relations. We we can we can talk comfortably. I can be myself. They can be their self, and we can talk. Are you fr- are you from LA? I'm from New Jersey, actually. Okay, what's up? Yeah, where, you where too? New Jersey? East Hanover. It's not far from Morristown. Whenever you mention New Jersey, I feel like one out of every ten people is from Morristown. Really? Yeah. Well, East Hanover is a very small town, not far from there. But okay, interesting. Yeah. How'd you how'd you go all the way to LA? It's it, well, it's it's kind of a long story, but it's like Jersey boy makes good in Beverly Hills. <laughs> well, I went to med school in New York, uh, University of Rochester. Okay. And when I was in medical school, I got very interested in in facial plastic surgery, which you're not really supposed to get interested in in medical school. Like medical school, you've got classes and you rotate through. Yeah. Medical school, the first two years, you're all in a classroom the whole time. Then third year you go into the hospital setting, you start rotating through different services and pediatrics and OBGYN and whatever, everything. Yeah. And I came across 
some facial plastic surgery while I was doing like a head and neck cancer reconstruction rotation, but I saw some, some of the cosmetic reconstruction parts of it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Like, I love the anatomy. I love the finesse of that. And I started to develop a relationship with like the top facelift facial plastic surgeon in Rochester, New York. And I actually started like blowing off other classes just to go spend the day with him. Like, you know, which wasn't necessarily a good thing, but I was really, really interested. Don't go to him for your GI issues, everyone. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Doctor blows off other <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. On. You don't want to come to me for your, you know, for your heart issues. Anything but the facial plastics. Yeah. Okay, so you start hanging out with this, you know. I start hanging out with this guy and I'm spending weekend, my free weekends, like sitting in the emergency room with the with the residents who were there to soap lacerations. I, I, I just became so he saw how interested I was and he said, hey, listen, he said, if you really want to see the highest level of this, you should go spend a week in Beverly Hills and I can get you into the top guy. He doesn't let med students in, but he's a good friend. And I, I and I had already been spending so much time with this guy and he, he knew me and trusted me. And he said, I can make a call and get you in. You'll see the highest level. And I said, I definitely want to do that. So on my next spring break or whatever it was. He called this guy in LA, said, Hey, you gotta let this guy in. And I went for a week and I spent every day just watching. And that's and I became I developed this connection with Beverly Hills. I knew that's where I wanted to be because the level was so high. It was, More than Rochester. Yeah, it was I mean the guy in Rochester's great, but the level just the whole the whole way it ran in, in Beverly Hills was how I always how I started to dream how it should be. And that's just how I got connected. And then I always maintain that connection. I knew I wanted to come to Beverly Hills. I maintain my relationship with that doctor. So when I moved out here, I got to spend time with him and learn. And so that's how that developed. There's like a stereotype with Beverly Hills. Like in my head, of course, plastic surgery, Beverly Hills, that's where the top people were. But did the industry of movie making and all of that come up at the same time as the plastic surgery industry? Like why in the United States is that the hotspot? For surgery. S- sorry to the New York and Miami and Dallas and all the other surgeons, but like it kind of was the OG place. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it, as this, I, I don't know however this is going to sound, but the reality is the reality is the, in general, people in the movie industry are some of the most attractive people in the world. People from all over the world come here because they want to this. So you're getting the, you're getting like a very biased sample of people who live here, right? It's the best yeah. looking people, the most successful models from their little villages and wherever they're coming mm-hmm. from, they all come here. And so it's sort of like the plastic surgery world. It had to be at the highest level to facilitate these people making a career with their appearance. So it kind of weeded out the bad doctors because you had to be good. You had to get good results. Otherwise, you weren't going to make it very long. And so that just became the Mecca. You didn't have to be high profile, though. But I look at your social media. You came out with your own line. Was that intentional because you have these high profile clients or it just sort of happened? Or was it? And you, you're on social media, you have a big social, you know, you have a presence. Some celebrities use you and they're open about going to see you. Yeah. So that, that all came organically, you know, that, that part, the social media thing, I was actually late to the game. I took care of very high level people before I even did social media and all these other guys were doing it and other doctors were doing it. I still remember back in like 2005 and six, I was getting all these Facebook requests daily. Cause I was on a T I made it to a TV show at that time called Dr. 90210. So I became very well-known quick and early on. And I was getting every day, 50 different like Facebook requests from all over the planet. And I ignored every single one of them for years. Meanwhile, my colleagues were all accepting them. And by the time like 2012 rolls along, 2013, some of my colleagues had 500,000 followers and this and that. And I could have had all of that and didn't because I didn't care. But the reality is once I started doing the social media, my patients and I were so close. I trust them. They trust me. And they just openly shared, decided to start sharing some things. And a small number of my patients do that. You only see a small number, but we never ask for them to do that. They just do it. And I'm very fortunate and grateful to them for being willing to share things. But it was when the social media started when sort of it became more well known of some of the people I was taking care of. But locally, a lot of people knew, but they were real celebrities were more quiet about things before social media was a thing. It's not like they were going out talking about it too much. You know what I mean? That just made it more it made it more 
easy for them to sort of share their experiences in a way they were comfortable with. Now, we've had plastic surgeons on before, but honestly, we haven't had a plastic surgeon on in like years, which is just shocking. I mean, we, we have a lot of guests on and we just kind of, we don't have like a little quota, like it's plastic surgery, you know, it's been three months. So last time we had one on, we talked about plastic surgery as something that people do kind of like in their 50s, but you're talking about social media, your patients sometimes sharing what they're doing. We're not necessarily talking about like 60-year-olds, 50-year-olds taking selfies and like doing TikToks in your office. We're obviously like, I think we're all picturing kind of a younger client doing this, aren't we? Patient, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. My, my patient population ranges, I mean, it starts at five years old. I mean, we do otoplasties on kids mm-hmm. who are five because it's been proven to psychologically benefit them to get their ears pinned back when their ears are like this before they start school. So they don't get made fun of. So you're like pushing your ears back. Like, from- yeah, like that's something that literally is suggested and recommended to do at five years old. So like we literally have five-year-olds sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly, it's not a big part of what I do, but I certainly will do that for right. certain people, like for friends and people that I know I will do that. But still, I mean, literally we have five, sometimes five-year-olds come in, but in general, it's widely considered standard of care to be able to do rhinoplasties on girls when they're 15, boys when they're 16. That's a very common thing that most plastic surgeons are pretty much around the world will have 15, 16 year old boys and girls for rhinoplasties. And then as far as like enhancing the facial features, I mean, look, I've got models and actresses and who literally are coming in in their 20s to enhance their features so that they get that cover shoot or whatever, or maintain their position in a certain role that they have. There are definitely some young people coming in for it, but then certainly we have the faceless population too, which can start at mid-30s and go all the way up to 80. Uh, sorry, facelift in your mid-30s. For people to, who for people who have had major weight loss, some people have had gastric mm. bypass or major weight loss, yeah, I mean, there are 35-year-olds who have had lost 150 pounds or more and their whole face sacks. And then, yeah, facelift is completely appropriate and recommended for them, yeah. What about facelift? Just like let's talk your standard. I'm getting older. Things are starting to yeah. slacken. yeah. Just kind of what it used to be. Yeah. Facelift. When does that on average start? For my patient population, I would say on average, probably around 45, Ah! 44, 45. I was like, please make it older than me. Please make it older than me. Jen, 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 Jen and I need paper bags to breathe into right now. We need paper bags and a plane ticket. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. get your scheduler on the line right after, right after this right after this this is amazing so that that means that there are people younger than 44 i mean i've done I've yeah done no i know I, I heard you say average i heard you say average that's okay? average that i like to be ahead of the game i like to be ahead of the but game. talk to us about why that might be beneficial everybody's out here getting injections and things but i'm sure who are the patients that it makes sense for at that age it makes sense for people who have what let's call it either an unhealthy lifestyle where they've aged Mm. more rapidly than they otherwise would have, or people who just have unfavorable, unfortunate genetics. Some people just age faster, just the way that they're made. And so most recently I did a 35 year old facelift where she just had, she already had jowls. She had jowls of that of a mid 50 year old and they were real. And that's not something you could fix with a non-invasive treatment. In, in her situation, no. There are situations where you can improve that non-invasively and situations when you can't. And I know within one second, which is which, because I do a lot of non-surgical procedures too. If you try to improve somebody non-surgically who is not a good candidate for that, you'll make them worse. So Dr. Diamond, let's talk about what people are asking for. So this person wanted their jowls shaped up, but a lot of people are coming and I'm sure they've seen you on TV. I'm sure you have an incredibly savvy patient. Are they coming in and sort of like directing or are they coming in and they're just saying like, I want your expert eye, tell me what to do. Like, how does that, I realize every patient's different, but tell us like a little bit of like what that interaction's like with your patients. Yeah, I would say most of the people that I take care of say, tell me what you see and just make me look my best. That's the oh. majority. That's the majority. Certainly there are people that come in and say, this bothers me. Can you fix this? There are those people, but a vast majority say, doc, whatever you see. How has social media impacted your business? When I first started, I'm a facial plastic surgeon, as you know. 
Yeah. And when I first started, I wasn't doing a lot of minimally invasive procedures. I was doing mostly surgical procedures, mostly facelifts and things of that nature. I started, I developed my non-surgical practice probably in 2000, probably 2010. I really started to increase my non-surgical techniques as I was figuring things out. And it was shortly thereafter that we started doing some social media things. And I noticed that Number one, the non-surgical things people would more readily discuss. Mm. They more readily say, hey, I had a little something here, a little Botox or a little something or a little laser. They'd right. be much more willing to discuss that or, or, or just more readily would discuss that than they would about a facelift. And so, the, so, so it was about that time that the, non, that the social media was taking, we started to do more and more of it. And we saw that you know, a lot of these people would come on willingly share on their social media that, hey, you know, I had this done. And so I'd say it did facilitate a more widespread recognition of the things that can be done because a lot of the people I take care of have big followings of people. So the word was getting out there to a very wide audience like, hey, I did this and look how good it looks. And so that did have have an impact, I think. on What, what about the the pictures people bring in? I'm curious, like, did they used to bring in pictures of celebrities and now they bring in pictures of like the bold glamour filter of themselves, you know we have all these tools now. How's that affected? Yeah, it was. What you're it, I mean, it, it was, and it was always the people you would think. Like when I first got started, like back in the day, we're talking like in 2000, you know, people were bringing pictures of Angelina Jolie every day. I want this jawline, and then it turned into Halle Berry and Jennifer Aniston, and then it then it morphed into other people like that, and then you know, mm-hmm. for the past ten years, it's been Kim K. Everyone. And rightfully so. Everybody wants to look like Kim K and, you know, Megan Fox is having a bit, everyone coming in with Kim K and Megan Fox, like all the people who like any of us would want to look like. That's who, that's probably most common people, yeah. uh, pictures that people so people bring still in. bring in celebrity photos. Yeah, they, they okay. do. But it used to literally, they bring in magazine, you know, literally pictures. Now right. it's on their phone and they scroll through and show, you know. So that, that, that's a big difference. But yeah, those are, those are the usual suspects. That, I only ask because we've had dermatologists say that people bring in a filtered version of themselves. They will do that too. Speaking of phones, we, you know, Jen and I, we talk about headlines in the news. Like once a week we have a show where we always talk about headlines in the news. And one from a couple of weeks ago just like sent us into a complete tizzy. You probably know about the surgeon who, Dr. Roxy in Ohio. Exactly. I read about this. I have no idea who that is. She was charged. No, we're not saying you're friends with her. We're not saying, you know. (laughs) She brought her phone. She was live streaming her surgeries. Live live streaming her surgeries. And she said that she did it with the best of intentions to inform her. Yeah, yeah. But we see a lot of this kind of stuff going on. I mean, I've even seen it not with my kinds of doctors, but like. We've seen it just in beauty. People, I think doctors are doing it with a lot of really good intentions to kind of show what they're doing and inform their followers. I mean, you you talked about it. Doctors got really excited in the beginning once the, those kind of words of social and medical and kind of like edutainment exploded. What's your stance? Well, I mean, this is, listen, this Doing what we do, a cosmetic surgery world, it's a very sort of insulated population of people. This is, these are typically happy offices with healthy people versus a neurosurgeon office or a cardiovascular office where there's sick older people and yeah. it's not necessarily the most upbeat mood. There is that sort of atmosphere of, you know, a jovial kind of atmosphere for the most part. But don't be mistaken for one second, this is still medicine and this is still dangerous and there's still tons of risks. And I think she should be charged, these idiots. I'll call her an idiot, okay? I'll come right out and say it. And a couple of years ago, there's another guy filming himself, another woman, I don't know, dancing in the middle of surgery, taking breaks and all kinds of stuff. That is crazy. This is real medicine and bad things can happen if you are not 100% focused at all times. And so... I love that I can take a picture with someone and smile and this is all fun and good. But when we're at business, oh, it's serious. There's no messing around. And we're as serious as a heart surgeon doing a heart surgery when we're doing our surgeries. And so you cannot let your guard down for a second. And so that's my stance on that. And I see the yahoos out here there. I mean, literally, there's a guy who killed somebody. Uh, 
six months ago. And the next day he's on Instagram live smiling as if nothing happened. It's like, it's crazy. I don't have, I don't have good feelings about all that stuff. This is, this is serious business. And when you're doing your procedures, you need to be on and focused and not sidetracked by dancing in the operating room and taking live questions and things like that. Jen, you know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings, or even just like a bad day, is to hop on AlloMoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. 
after you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Let's talk about some of those surgeries. Um, Before we get into some of the things that you do in your practice, there is this feeling that sometimes with plastic surgery, actually with a lot of Western medicine, let's be honest, there's a history of this Eurocentricness, this Eurocentric beauty ideal. But you, you travel all over the world. You work on people of all ethnicities. What do you think about that? Do you think that's still a concern? Do you still see that history of plastic surgery weighing heavily on the work that you're doing today? Or is it less of an issue because people aren't asking for a Eurocentric beauty ideal? The people that I see, and I've been all over the world. I've been everywhere. Last time I saw you, you had just gotten back from uh, Dubai, I think, doing Yeah, I I mean, I've been in the Middle East 50 times. I've been to Russia, China, all over the place. I've seen every single type of person there is. And there are different beauty standards in different cultures. And what was going on with all the social media and the Instagram is what we call the like ethnically ambiguous appearance where everyone's kind of looking the same, all these features more together. And we never really subscribe to that because people, I believe people do need to maintain their uniqueness, their unique beauty. And so the people who come to me pretty much want to maintain their unique beauty. So enhancing their features, making them look their best while maintaining their cultural identities. And that's really important to us. And that's a, that's most of who I take care of. There are probably other practices where... Ski jump rhinoplasty is still happening? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, that's not what I do. And that's not the people that come to me. When I say my practice looks like me, this is kind of what I'm talking about. They want to enhance their unique beauty. They're not coming to get a whitewashed look of something from yesteryear. I get it. I do you want to talk about what they do want to have done? Because in LA, I feel like when I go out to LA and travel and look at people, I think there's like a different look there than certain other cities. So in these days, when you, you drop me in Seoul, Korea, it's like there's a look to people in that city. In Miami, there's a look. I talked to a Miami plastic surgeon. He was like, it's about the lips here. You know, whatever it is. What's yeah, the look yeah. in LA? You know what I'm talking about. I don't, I, I honestly don't think my particular patients have a look that you would say, oh, they've had, so they, they, you would never know they've done anything, but. Let's not talk about your patients, but you're based in LA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a difficult question to ask. I don't mean that you're doing that, but you know, it's like the Jessica Rabbity kind of like anime look has gotten hot in the last couple of years, not from your patients, but you're a thought leader in this space. I'm curious. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about with the, ethnically ambiguous look, people were really accentuating every feature in an over-exaggerated way. And that was kind of like, I, I think that trend even has died down, even though that wasn't my patients. But I think that trend has died down. There was a huge boom of this Brazilian butt lift thing where these really significant exaggerated augmentations. And I think that has died down, but that was clearly a look that you'd see. And of course, the voluptuous breasts and all that stuff. I think that has kind of been toned down quite a bit over the past five years, in my opinion. I don't even do body work. Those are my patients. But what I see when I'm out, my take on it is that those things are starting to, it's, it's starting to shift the other way a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. And well, let's talk about the fact that it's shifting means that these things are trendy. How do you feel about that? The fact that medical work that you've trained to do is like also trendy. Yeah, there there certainly are trends. But again, I'm sort of outside of that gravitational pull, honestly. But you see it happening, right? Like I'm sure you go to these conferences with other doctors and they're like, everybody wants PDOs or whatever, thread lift. Or- yeah, there, there certainly are. There are trends and they come and go. And oftentimes the procedures that are developed to meet these trends aren't really good time-tested procedures. And so it's the kind of thing that I never get too concerned with because I don't, it's not, it's not what I'm doing You're not playing in that lane. Yeah. 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 So I may not be a good person to ask about that, but I'm not hopping on every one of these little things. Yeah. And so, you know, the things I do, I've been doing for a long time. I've certainly honed and perfect and tweak over the years. These things that come out like the thread lift and all these things definitely are trendy and definitely have their problems associated with them. And 
don't really work the way they are promised to work or and so I don't really I don't really get on that too much. For our listeners, I think it'd be really great for them to hear, you know, I don't want you to prescribe like this is this is good, this is bad, because I know it's not that easy. Or I would imagine it's not that easy, but I'd love to hear like which ones you're you're really not a fan of. Well, there's a few that I think are very problematic. Number one is the is the thread lift. And the okay, thread why? lift is something I was one of the first ones in, in the world doing actually. Back in 2002, that was it wasn't even called the thread lift. It was called the feather lift. This was the first iteration of it. And you had to take a special class to do it. There were only like five of us in L.A. that were doing it. I was one of them. And I got introduced to it by one of my mentors, who was one of the most famous guys in town. So he was one of the people who was kind of exploring it. And because I was with him, I got I got access to it. But this wasn't like every nurse on the corner was able to do and every OBGYN on the corner was able to do. No, this was like... There were literally only a few of us. And it was a cool little idea, like this little thread you put in, boom, and look. You can... The thing was, it didn't, obviously it didn't work. It, it worked for like a couple months, maybe a couple, you know, maybe a month, and then it fell apart. And so quickly after we started doing it, that thing fell apart and it died on the vine. As in when the threads dissolved, the collagen wasn't there like it should have been. Well, these weren't even dissolvable. Down. These were permanent threads. Oh. They weren't even dissolvable at the time. Oh, okay. Go on. Then a company called Contour Threadlift came, and they this, it was the same people who developed the Featherlift. It was this guy named Dr. Ruff in like North Carolina actually developed it on the thought on the on the concept of a porcupine quill. Like it can only go in one direction. If you try and pull it, the hooks engage, and that's how porcupine quills work. He designed it based on that. It's a very smart concept. So it was the same company, though, and the same people. They just said, okay, we're going to upgrade this thing. And then they called it the Contour Threadlift, and that blew up. That was like, if you're not doing the Contour Thread, they spent millions and millions of dollars on PR. It was on every Good Morning America and every news station, and it was everywhere at every meeting, every lecture at every meeting was about the Contour Threadlift. And, like, you were, like, missing the boat if you weren't doing it. And I got some inside information on it because – they were, that company was very interested in starting a Los Angeles presence. They were very interested. So they had this guy, and I won't even say his name, but they had this guy who was supposed to be coming to LA to teach once a month at the W Hotel uh, over by UCLA. And he was, you had to buy tickets and apparently this thing was like sold out by every doctor in town. You couldn't even get into this thing. But he, so this guy who was supposed to get, it's such a fascinating story. It just, it's this so This is the trends I'm talking so what, about. So what happened? So what yeah, happened? Yeah, what happened? Yeah. So, all right. So <laughs> it's so funny. So, you say right. this doesn't okay. happen. This clearly happens. <laughs> so, so this company calls me, right? They call me because I was on the show I developed this reputation already. I had a very busy practice. I had a I had a really good thing going. I was very up and coming. And they called me and they said, and they knew I had done the feather lift. I was one of the five. I knew how to do this. They said, listen, we want you to be involved in this. And here's what we want. This doctor, he's this secret doctor. He's got this whole underground following of a-list celebrities from all over the planet. They're underground. No one knows about it. But he goes to L.A. He's been going for like five years. He developed this thing even before the feather lift. And he's been going underground and doing these things. And it's top secret. No one knows. I was like, holy shit. Like, And so this doctor who's been doing this, he's got this most amazing practice, the most amazing patients you can't even imagine. And he's the one we're going to have start to come teach this thing. And so what we want is we want you to cover him. So he's going to come to LA once a month. He's going to do these procedures and then he's going to fly back to his home country. He wasn't from this country. I won't say where he's from. I don't want to out him, although I should, but I won't. Okay. He's going to fly back to his country, but someone needs to be responsible for those patients for insurance purposes. Yeah. Because he, for him to do this, his insurance wants to know who's going to be covering him. We want you to do that. And if you do that, you'll be involved in the company and you'll be, you'll be managing these high-list patients, not only the ones that he is teaching on, but all his underground pay. Okay, this whole cockamamie story. And I buy it hook, line, and sinker. It sounds amazing. I'm just getting started. I'm going to be with like this most amazing guy. Okay. So that's their pitch. And that's their story to everybody. When they go teach in front of all these doctors, they tell this story. This guy's got 
this, this and that. And all these plastic surgeons are like, who the hell is this guy? But he must have something that, oh my God. Okay. So before I decide to do this, I call my insurance company. I say, hey, listen, this is the story. They want me to cover him. Can I just cover him? Like what? They said, well, call his office and find out a little more details first, because we want to know how many surgeries does he do? What's his qualifications? Okay. So I call his office manager. I call this other country and I talk to his office manager. He's not there. And I said, and, and by the way, at these lectures, because I went to like three of them before, because I'm learning how to do it. So they're like, come for free, you'll come. So I went to like three of these things in a row at the W Hotel. The whole story, they give this whole story about his underground practice, but also that in his home country, he does two of these thread lifts every morning and then does a facelift after. So he's fully versed in thread lifts and real facelifts. So five days a week, two thread lifts in the morning and then a facelift, Monday through Friday. I'm like, and it sounds like, holy shit, this guy's got the most amazing thing ever. Okay, that's their story to everybody. That's their public story. So I called the office manager and I say, I wanna know how many facelifts he does a week. She says, he doesn't do facelifts. And I wanna know how many thread lifts he does a week. She says, maybe he does a thread lift a week or once every two weeks. So their story was a complete cockamamie lie, okay? So it was a whole smoke and mirrors thing that turned out to be all fake. Then I found out he never had an underground practice here. It was all lies. He never even treated one person here before these. Good thing you did your due diligence. So this is the story. The point is they promoted this thing and if and and it just shows the integrity of this type of world. They're going to lie about everything. That taught you your lesson, though. Like, you can't be seduced by the marketing of medical stuff. You that have to do your own. That is a frightening story that I think everyone should take a lesson from. Yeah. So this whole thing, right. So this is how this company is promoting the thread lift. So we're back to, we're now we're on the contour thread lift. So the contour thread lift, you had to do it. You're missing the boat, this and that. That was popular from 2005 to 2007. And then the results were terrible, right? They just didn't work. Problems left and right. That thing hits the shitter. That thing goes down and it's dead. In 2009, they come out with the silhouette. They're like, it's this, but it's better. This is better, not the problems. It goes up with the marketing. Six months later, it crashes and burns. And then in 2015, another popular doctor starts talking about it. It goes up, it crashes and burns. And then in 2019, someone promotes on their Instagram. It goes up for three months and then it crashes and burns. This is the story with this with the thread lifts. When someone promotes it, people are easily influenced by the promotions and by the marketing of it. And so people get interested. But then sure enough, the results of them are so fleeting that they just sort just sort of crashes and burns. Do you think with plastic surgery, it's important for people not to be an early adopter? Because, you know, we see all these mm, new procedures question, and yeah, do you, yeah. should you wait on them a little bit? It, it depends. It, that, that That's really on the surgeon's judgment. Like I, I, we're cutting edge here. We do the most cutting edge things. There's nothing out there I don't know firsthand about. There's nothing. That doesn't mean I jump on it right away. But I watch, I listen, I learn, I talk to colleagues because a lot of these things come out and they sound amazing. And then people start doing it. Next thing you know, they're creating disasters. What about someone who's listening who doesn't have access to someone like you who's doing that vetting for them? They're not sure. They don't even have a surgeon yet, but they heard about a new procedure. Should they wait a little bit is what I'm asking. I mean, it's listen, it, that's about trusting your doctor. It's about trusting your doctor. It's a, it's a slippery slope. It's a dicey It's a dicey. So don't business go shopping for a procedure. Go looking for a doctor. Correct. Find a okay. doctor that you trust. And then say, here's what the issue is, rather than coming in and being like, I saw XYZ new filler on wherever or XYZ procedure. For so sure. So you're not going to do a thread lift. Just to finish up that question, is there anything else that you're yes. like? I also want to know, was that doctor like a real doctor? <laughs> Jess is so Or was he like a podiatrist? <laughs> like, was that like a real doctor? We, we all know it's a man. Just be honest. Come on now. Well, it was, a, it was a real doctor, but the company just lied left and right about everything about it. But that was the point. They were talking about how great this thing was, and it wasn't. And what the track record was, and the track record was fake. Okay, Jen so and I was, could have been the doctor. We could have put on a little coat. No, because like, a woman wouldn't do that. But anyway. <laughs> Jen. But the problem with these things is that they can cause a lot of scar tissue. If somebody's in the market for a thread lift, that means they're going to be wanting a facelift at some point down the road. And a lot of these non-invasive procedures have made the surgical procedures much more difficult. 
with mu- much, I, you know, it, it thins out the skin. It creates these mm-hmm. scar tissue. You'd rather someone wait and come and get the real oh, work Oh, for done. sure. For okay. sure. Just pony up for the, oh, that shouldn't say pony up, but just assess what's what can be done. The thing is these days, there's so much in the world of weight loss with all the Ozempic and the Mojornos and all those things. So people are losing weight. And with weight loss, you're seeing some advanced aging of the face. But not only that, with these medications, you're getting thinning of the tissue layers in a, even in a different way than just weight loss alone. You're getting thinning of the deeper muscle layers too. And when we're doing facelifts, we're relying on those muscle layers to really tighten things. And so given the thinned out tissue layer, add a thread lift to that. Now you're going to make a facelift. I mean, you're going to, you're really, really shooting yourself in the foot when you're trying to get a result because now you got thinned out tissue with scars in there from the threads. So there's a lot of reasons why I don't like them. And, uh, and I say, and I have more experience with these things than anybody. I've done more thread lifts back in my day than anybody. And that was before we knew. And that was one of those things I jumped on early and it's, a quick lesson as to why not to jump on something so early. Okay. Similarly, I don't, I, I have a big problem with Kybella. Allergan's going to put a hit out on me for that, but um, I don't like Kybella, which is the fat melting injector because the thing is, and they, re- and they promote it for right here. The thing is most people. So you just pointed right underneath your chinny chin chin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most people who have a, an appearance here that they don't like, like most people have no extra yeah. fat here. So none of us on this screen have extra fat here, okay? What this is marketed to is inject here and you can improve this area. But the problem is most people will not be improved by removing fat from here. It's more an underlayer musculature issue that's going on. It's an, oh, it's a skin issue or a deeper okay. a, or a deeper fat layer, which Kybella doesn't get to. Kybella only uh, gets the superficial fat. Kybella gets the same fat that liposuction gets. Okay. Now, and I will tell you. Ooh, could none I of Kybella this, my tricep area? Get a little. No. Oh, right, well, listen, you may, you know, that's for you and your body guy. I'm a face guy. That's for you to discuss if so there's extra subcutaneous fat. Maybe. But. The face has very little extra subcutaneous fat. It is rarely the problem. Now, if somebody is properly overweight and really has extra fat, then maybe they're an okay candidate for it. But if you're a candidate for it, then liposuction literally, if, if you were a candidate for just liposuction under here, let's say, liposuction can be done under local anesthesia, takes about 20 minutes to do. You wear a pressure wrap for three to five days. You're, you look great in a week and you're done. With Kybella, let's say you say, okay, well, I want to do Kybella instead. Kybella, you're doing a bunch of injections that hurt like hell. They hurt more than liposuction. The way it works, it creates a chemical reaction and swells up like a bullfrog. So for two weeks, you literally look like a bullfrog. Oh my God. And then it finally starts to settle down. And then for two weeks, you look, okay, then you got to go back in a month uh, Okay, so later. you're not doing that so either. So for like five months, oh every two weeks, you look like a bullfrog. You're in intense pain. And the problem is it doesn't do – so if you were a candidate for it, lipo is so much quicker and easier and more predictable. But the problem is most people aren't even a candidate for it. But it's such a sexy thing to market. Come in for some quick little injections and tighten you all up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an easy sell. So let's talk about, let's go move positive, shall we? Talk about things that you do like to do. May I? Yes, please. Because you do this thing called the Instafacial, right? And it has PRP. And we haven't actually talked about this on our podcast yet. Sometimes you like to do PRP as part of the Instafacial. I understand it's very bespoke. What does PRP do for someone's face? Why is that part of your practice? Well, that's what, that's a bioregenerative treatment. It's a big, it's a it's something I very much believe in and have a lot of experience with. So, so we take your blood and we concentrate the, you know, we separate out the layers. So we are concentrating the platelets, which are rich in proteins that help to regenerate, renew, restore. So mm-hmm. it has a much higher concentration of these beneficial factors than just blood alone. And so we find that when we inject it and we penetrate it superficially in combination with other things, it just has this way of improving the skin. And not only the skin, it improves hair. Your orthopedic surgeon is going to inject it into your elbow now to fix your elbow instead of putting steroids in. It's just got this kind of like... When you say penetrate superficially, 
I'm just going to jump in here because you guys, he did this to me like a couple months ago. I was like, I've been reading about it forever. You did like a micro needling with the surgical grade micro needling. And then you, you smeared the yellow plasma right on to the tiny holes in my face. Am I describing right. that wrong? No, you're describing it right. Except we're, <laughs> and then we're penetrating it again, pushing the plasma in. Right. So we're getting, yeah, we're creating all these channels to get it into your skin. Yes. I feel badly because I had multiple variables that month because I also got injections from my dermatologist. So I can't say <laughs> that this is true, but God, like seriously, at first I was like, that didn't do anything. That didn't do anything. Two months later, all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was like, my pores looked smaller. I was like, damn, is this the injections or the PRP? I can't tell anymore. What do you think it was? Yeah, I think it was the PRP. Injections won't make your, your pores smaller. Yeah, you know, but like a little bit of filler sometimes like kicks your own hyaluronic acid into gear, right? No, no he's shaking his head. Nah. It was the PRP. All right, well, it worked for me. So you've okay. launched a line sort of to bring this to everyone, yeah. medicine. It's very exciting because I like that it's it's just a few products. It's very easy to understand how to use your line, which I'm a huge fan of. What is in that serum? It's not PR, It's obviously not platelet-rich plasma. What is in the serum that helps mimic that effect? The serum are, are bioengineered growth factors to be identical to human growth factors. And how do we do it? I could tell you, but I have to kill you. I mean, that's we've been working on this for a long time, but we bioengineered them with the best chemists and with hands-on approach to create a replication of what the bio, what the human growth factors do. And it's what do human growth factors do? They're, they're messenger cells that work in between cells and tell the cells what to do. They tell them to proliferate, die, survive, differentiate. They, they tell the cells what to do. And so that's what growth factors are. And it's a matter of getting the right ones to, you know, create a cellular repair. Yeah. I used a serum with growth factors before I was using your serum. I had trouble explaining it to be people because it has this reputation of like, oh, for, foreskin, it came from a fetal, a fetal foreskin, but I know it is not that. It is not a human skin. It's human-derived in that they used a human skin to develop all of these proteins in a Petri yes. dish, filtered them out. But you were like, I'm not messing with that. Right. So you did it with what? Plants? A lot of different things, yes. Part, he can't partly. tell us. He can't tell He's us. He's going to have to kill me. All right, I'm yeah, done. Exactly. I tried. Exactly. I tried. Because I really, these bio, would you call it a biomimetic? What do you call it? Yeah, we call it a bioidentical growth bio factor. Bioidentical growth factor. Because a lot of different companies do them in different ways. So I've been trying to like dig into how'd you do it. Guess I'm not getting it from Dr. Diamond. We worked on this for <laughs> years. We've tweaked right. the, the different And you for find years. the clinical results are showing equal to a, a human-derived growth factor. Yes. Yeah. We've studied this clinically and the clinical results show. I saw the pictures. That's why I used it. I get it. Okay, so what's coming up next for you? Are there any new surgical techniques you're working on? Or are there any lasers you want to buy? Like, what is going on in the practice? What's new? We're 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 right now doing our instafacial collection with medicine. I also just want to say I'm very excited that you're selling at Moda. Shame yes, so we're really excited about that too. Thank you. And we're you know I'm what we're just doing our thing. We're taking care of people. I mean, I, this is really not much. There's nothing really new that I'm doing other than doing the same things that we do and just taking care of people. I mean, are you taking new patients or is it like a closed door for any of our LA, our LA folks? We take we take patients, but most of the people I take care of are word of mouth and you know referred by somebody. I mean, certainly if someone calls, I, we don't know. We'll, we'll we'll take them, but most of the people we take care of are word of mouth. I've I've got a question about celebrities. Because I'm not a celebrity, I wonder what, like, the celebrity world is like. Like, if I'm a big celebrity and I have some stuff done, I'm obviously not telling anyone. But do I tell my celebrity friend, hey, I went to Dr. Diamond, does that, does that celebrity friend say to you, like, oh, fancy celebrity A told me, like, over lunch that they had their nose done by you? Like, you know, like, do they tell you? Or is it the publicists who do research and they find out who the best person Ooh, is? Like, good who, question. Who is, like, the seeker? Who's the seeker? That's all between, that's all person to person. So like the celebrity buddies tell each other? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And who calls? Who makes the call? Is it the celebrity themselves or is it their assistant? <laughs> I have a good relationship with many of my patients. They're like friends. And so many times they'll text me, hey, I want to send you this person. And I know who that, obviously, you know. And then I, okay. will, I will see, I give them my number and they'll text me directly. Hey, 
Oh, the celebrities will text you yeah, themselves. Yeah, they'll text you directly. Yeah. If we went through your phone, would it be like Oscar winners in your contacts? I have the best Rolodex you have, you have ever seen. Holy smokes. Oh, my God. My phone is probably worth $100 million, actually. See, I always think that I'm like not that interested in celebrity stuff. And then somebody gives me like a little nibble. And then I'm like <laughs> like such a such a like a like nerd. Like, yeah. I'm, like I think I'm like not into it. And I'm actually super into it. Okay. Yeah, my phone's probably like as valuable as like the nuclear football. You know, it's like, yeah, it's got some. <laughs> I know you're like, but you're like a big family guy. Are you gonna like step away from Sunday de- night dinner because X Y Z Emmy winner came? That's that's the question. That's the question, right? Like, I yeah, I take family time very seriously, and my patients know that. Do I come in on Sunday nights? Absolutely. Do I come in Saturday mornings? Absolutely. Do I make house calls at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night? Yes, we do. But my patients all know, again, most of them know me very closely. I'm very close with so most of them. So you can say my son has a soccer game. I can't make it. Or I can make it at 10. I can't make it at 7. And that's how it works. I think if they want to stay in the inner circle, they're not going to use and abuse. They're not going to be psycho. They're going to, yeah, they're not going to like walk all over you. Can... Plastic surgeons ever have like a Christmas party or a holiday party? Because then year? all the people would come and they would all know <laughs> who's having I don't know. Well, that, well that's the question. Do they that's come the, to the Christmas, the office party? That's, well, that's the phenomenon of like when I'm out at like a busy restaurant yeah. and I see people who, oh, you know, obviously don't. Do and do they quiet? say hi to me or do I say hi to them? And that's the question I've learned. I never say hi to anybody. Because I don't want to out them. And that's happened many times where I see like a very close person and I notice they're ignoring me. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say a word. And funny enough, I was at my favorite restaurant, Matsuhisa. It's a small, it's Nobu's original place, you know, on La Siena. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But it's a small little place and there are seats right next to each other. And I'm literally sitting with my wife. She's sitting next to me. And right next to us is a table of two. And one of my VIP patients is sitting literally five feet from me. And we're making eye contact and I see her and I'm like, I, I, and I, it's even too loud. I think I text my wife. I'm like, she didn't, did she give you a nod, a wink? She didn't even give me anything. She just completely ignored me. And I said to my wife, I said, I think she doesn't want her friend. I like show my friend, my wife a text. I show her cause I didn't want to talk. And so then I'm like, I'm going to text her. I'm like, so I text her. I said, I, I know you see me. I'd be like, I don't worry. I'm not going to say anything. Cause I'm, you probably don't want to. And she said, yeah, thank you. Like she was like, oh, she gotcha. texted back. Yeah. Thank you. Like, she didn't want her friend to know how. Yeah, yeah. Because they're from say, oh, how do you know Dr. Diamond? You know, right, and right, she didn't right. want her course, friend to know that she sees Oh my it. God, this is like a Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, it, it was. So it funny. was. It was. So good. Oh my God. Well, thank All right, you. last question before we do our speed round. We have a speed round for you. I just have to ask, do you use medicine? Like what is your skincare, hair care regimen about? Yeah, I've been using it for solely. That's all I use for the past year and a half. And we actually just traveled to London. I took a break. It's the first time I've been to London, actually, but we just got back from vacation. I was gone for three weeks. It's the longest I've ever been away. And I, I ran out within like the first couple of days I was there. So my wife and I, we didn't have it. And we couldn't believe like we, we noticed the difference not using it. And so, yeah, it's all I use. That's the only thing. What else? You don't put sunscreen on? I use sunscreen aggressively when I'm out. Yes. I Which do use one? sunscreen. Can't let you off the hook with some without a product recommendation. I'm actually not that particular about my sunscreen as long as it's broad spectrum. That's the most important thing. So, as I, I, you know, I use many different brands that are broad spectrum. It's all I care about. Yeah, but people with facial hair, I think, often are particular about their sunscreen. That's why I asked. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I, you know, I, I, I tend to use really thick white things that I look like a mime because I'm out. When I'm out, I'm out. I play golf. I'm out in the direct sun. When I'm out, I'm. Oh yeah, you're a skier. You need like. So I use. I actually use stuff called. I think it's called Think Baby. It's what you put on babies. It's this Hmm. thick white stuff. And it's literally white. And people always laugh at me. I'm like, you can laugh, but this is what I'm wearing. That, that's what I use. Desitin. Guys, you heard it here. He puts desitin on. I mean, that is titanium. <laughs> zinc oxide, isn't it? Desitin? Yeah. Yep. It would be a sunscreen. All right. Let's do, our, let's do our speed round, shall we? He has VIPs to go talk to. Wait, one more question <laughs> on the VIPs. Do they, get code, do they get code names? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what the code names are, but Tammy knows. Like, I don't even, couldn't even know what they, what they are. Like, big birds coming. Big birds here. <laughs> oh my God. That's the cool. eagle has landed. The eagle's landed. Okay. Speed round. First question. What's the first grooming product you ever remember using? Grooming product. Or shampoo or face product. Or like a first thing you ever remember. Teenage you or kid. Well, you. probably was a cologne in like senior year of high school. Dracar. Noir, I think it was. That's funny. 
literally was guessing your and age. I used to overdo it because I didn't know. I, I literally used to like put it on my arms. I put it in my. <laughs> oh, I and you grew up in New Jersey. This tracks. I, I'm from New Jersey. I can say all this. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I, I get the whole era. Truckar noir. Okay. Take this question however you want. What's your pet peeve? I'd say I, I like. I have kind of like a new one that's over the past several years. It's really. Oh, it annoys me, and I'm probably going to piss some people off here. But I can't stand. I live up on the top of Mulholland, so it's single lane roads down to work, to and from. When bicyclers are bicycling too wide, like they're not lined up, they're like this, going 10 miles an hour, taking up the whole lane. Why aren't they one in front of the other? I don't understand that. So it's scary. It really pisses me off. And I got to say, I. I might drive a little close to them at times and I might lay on the horn a little bit from time to time. Like, like your, why are you Your curb your enthusiasm episode is, is I'm, I'm working on the script. <laughs> no, seriously. My dentist is one of these guys and I'm like, dude, I don't know this, if I can see This you. is a curb. Are you sure this wasn't? Yeah, my dentist. Hey, he's, he's a, and I was like, dude, are you one of these guys who's like, and he said, well, no, I know a lot of guys do it, but I don't. I'm like, I don't get like, I, I'm surprised these guys don't get run over every day. They are literally holding, and it's they're literally holding up traffic for miles because they want to ride side by side on a single lane. Why is that? Pet peeve is the is the pseudo peloton of like Sunday bikers in LA. Yeah, yeah, that that pisses me off. Got it. Okay. Oh my god, it's picture your weekend. It's twelve noon on a Saturday. What are you most likely doing? So I've probably already hit the cold plunge. I've already worked out. I've already gone to the sauna. So now I'm probably at this time I'm ready to go. So it's usually something with the kids, hmm. going motorcycle riding, bike riding, going to do a sport, going to watch one of their sports. It's, it's something like that. If the kids are out at sleepaway, whatever, with their friends and they're not around, then I'm probably going to the golf course. Got it. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not someone who sits at home and reads a book on a Saturday. It's, that's not, that's not who I am. I, I, that's coming across loud and clear. <laughs> What's a movie you can watch again and again? Oh, there's tons of them, but I'd say Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, My Cousin Vinny. Like, yeah, I, there, there, are those, there are those movies that come on as I'm scrolling through the channels, ready to go to bed. And when one of these comes on, I'm like, oh, shit, now I'm stuck till one in the morning watching it. Those are like the three. I'm stuck. If they're on and I'm ready to bed, I'm watching it till one in the morning. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What's your favorite indulgent snack? Indulgent snack? Well, I, my favorite like dessert type thing is anything peanut butter, a peanut butter pie, a peanut butter ice cream, peanut butter sundae. Like that's my favorite thing. What do I eat most frequently? I'm pretty healthy, but like my sort of mildly guilt-free indulgent snack would be like a big bunch of peanut butter with whipped cream at night. Like that's Ooh, kind of one just of my peanut favorite. butter and whipped cream together? Together. Put them in together. Yeah. That's good. I you like get it. tryptophan from peanut butter. That's like a guy. That makes sense to me. This was so educational. I feel like I kind of got an inside look at the LA plastic surgeon life. So I appreciate you sharing all of your expertise. It's yeah. not a bad life. It isn't. Thanks for coming on Fat Mascara. Thank you so much. <laughs> you got it. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. 
and it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.